Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Today, we have somebody that I'm going to assume is going to have a very similar story to mine. Her name is Yulia. I'm going to let her tell her story. Welcome, Yulia, and thank you for coming. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I read just in the quick bio, I threw something out online. And as the people that are listening, they know that my story is having two alcoholic parents living in chaos, you know, having it follow me into childhood and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. When I read yours, I was like, okay, we're going to have a lot in common here. But tell them a little (laughs) bit more about your story and why you're here today talking to my listeners. Wow, absolutely. So we all have, you know, pretty extensive stories. So I'm going to keep it, you know, relatively brief. Um, but, you know, I I was excited to to speak with you today and share a little bit about where I've been just because I have been on, on definitely a, on a journey, so to speak, um, because I, I had, you know, one parent. So raised by a single parent, I have a twin sister. And you know, our dad was was not in the picture. And the reason why is because he was in active, you know, addiction. He was an active alcoholic. And my mom made the decision to, you know, to ultimately just protect us and, uh, you know, move on with her life when we were just two years old. So, um, so I really don't, you know, he's never really been a part of my life. Um, you know, there was never a birthday card, no calls as I was growing up. And, you know, it was really interesting because I remember very distinctly, you know, having conversations with with other kids about their parents, right? Especially, you know, ones that had fathers. And I would always say, you know, and I remember I was saying that when I was maybe around like eight or 10 years old, like saying, hey, you know, I don't have a dad and I really don't know what it's like to have one. So I don't really feel like I'm missing out. I don't know what I'm missing out on. You know, it's okay. It's, it's, it's no problem. And um, because... We were, you know, my mom had help from her parents, so we were raised in a multi-generational household um, in Russia, right? So we had, you know, five people living in a two-bedroom flat. And so, you know, I definitely felt like there was there was a lot of love. You know, my grandpa was dad. And um, and so I didn't feel, you know, I didn't really feel like I was missing out um, until, <laughs> until I believe it was about, 16 and I was kind of getting bits and pieces of information about you know updates about my dad from my grandmother because she was still in touch with uh, his parents and the updates were ultimately the same you know he was just kind of dying um drinking himself to death and uh but I found out that he was uh you know he had remarried and started a family and I just remember feeling like gosh you know like well wait a minute like we're all we're over here you know by ourselves and we've never heard from this guy and he's just out there just kind of living this other life and I was just kind of like it just kind of felt like a like a little bit of a jab you know right yeah right um and and so as I was growing up I started to kind of feel like maybe there was some kind of a void right um I noticed that you know as I was maturing you know I was maybe around like 13, 14, 15, I really just started to notice that I had really, I had a lot of trouble connecting with, with, with boys. Right. Um, and it was very difficult. And, um, and so it just, it just wasn't really getting any better. I just felt like 
there was just this really big gap. Like I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know how to act around them. My friends seemed to, you know, to, to be just fine. Right. They were having, you know, these relationships with boys and I was just terrified. <laughs> like I, was just, I would just freeze. And, um, and, and so things just kind of started to, to kind of surface a little bit. And the, the other part of it too was, you know, growing up where you don't have a traditional kind of like household with a mom, mom and a dad. Uh, what that did was the dynamic was really kind of shifty. Um, you know, our mom was, was working a lot. We barely saw her. Right. So there was always just this confusion about like, who's the authority figure, right? Is it my grandparents? Um, cause they would always take sides. And then there was just, there was also my mom. So it was very confusing. A lot of the times my sister and I would just kind of like, you know, we would, we would, um, try to get our way. And so we would kind of turn our grandparents against each other. And then my mom was involved and it was just confusing, just very confusing. Like who we should listen to because all three of them had very, very different parenting styles, very different. And my grandpa was, you know, military background, very, very stern and uh, very, um, very hot and cold, you know, like that's really where I, I learned, right, dynamics between what dynamics look like between a man and a woman. And it was very, very intimidating at times. You know, he would get upset when we didn't do something right or according to his liking. And he would just give us the cold shoulder. He would ignore us. Um, and we would just kind of like hide out with my sister. We would be like afraid, you know, is he going to yell at us? But a lot of the times he would just ignore us and pretend like we're not there. Hours sometimes even days, you know, up to a week, we would just kind of tiptoe around him. And then he would kind of just cool off. And then, you know, he would just be like the exact opposite. Like we were his world. And um, and so that hot and cold behavior was really, it felt really unsafe. I, I didn't really know how to describe it up until now, but it felt really unsafe. And so, and so I carried that into, you know, adulthood. It's just kind of like not knowing. And, and I noticed that those are kind of the types of men that I was attracting, right? Um, so it started to show up. And, um, and so, of course, alcoholism started to show up in me from an early age. You know, um, you know we, we started drinking at 12 and it just, it wasn't like, you know, wine coolers with friends. It was just like full blown, like, like when, like if I'm drinking, like I'm, I'm doing it to blackout. And I didn't think anything of it. Right. I thought that everybody drank like that, <laughs> even though um, we have a family history there clearly. And I would get warnings from my mom and my, my grandma, my grandma. Um, I just didn't think anything of it. And so that continued to progress quite a bit. So, so yeah, um, you know, I, I've been, I would say, on a very much a, a self-discovery kind of um, phase of my life when, since when I got sober um, almost seven years ago okay. and really just started to kind of like peel the layers, right? Like what, you know, why was it so difficult for me to, to find, you know, a healthy relationship, a relationship that stuck? what what was going on and I started to really like that's where the wheels really started to turn especially when I found recovery you know um I was connecting finally like oh okay okay so I was constantly chasing you know validation and approval from men because I was constantly doing that you know with my grandpa and then I was I was feeling that kind of like 
void and inadequacy as I was a teenager growing up. Like, why, why is my dad not there? Like, I don't understand. He's out there, but like, he doesn't want anything to do with me. Like what's wrong with me. And, um, and so I started to kind of, again, just put the, the puzzle pieces together and started to really do that work of like, okay, so wow. Um, taking a step back, looking at the bigger picture, like that was a very dysfunctional dynamic, right? Not knowing, you know, who, who is the authority figure, right? Like who, who was, you know, who should I, we be listening to? And then, and then just having the father figure of the, like the hot and cold. Right. Um, and then that's what I saw. Right. And, um, and so those are the types of people that I would kind of gravitate towards is the ones that would be hot, be cold. Um, and, um, and so it just, it just kind of progressed over the years. And, um, and so in recovery, I started, you know, working on myself quite a bit, obviously finding sobriety. It's just, uh, you're, you're, op you're, you're opening a can of worms. You're, you're kind of trying to close the other can of worms. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I really started to understand, you know, how that impacted me, you know, from childhood into adulthood. And also more importantly, what, like, how do I figure out what a healthy relationship looks like between a man and a woman? Cause I didn't have a model of that growing up. Right. Um, exactly. So, so where do I go from here? Am I doomed? Right. Because my relationships up until that point, you know, up until my thirties were, were all just disasters. Right. So I thought, Oh my goodness, you know, because I don't, <laughs> I never learned these skills. I don't know what a healthy dynamic looks like. You know, I'm, I, I thought I was kind of doomed. And, um, and so one specific relationship really kind of set me off on, on this journey of like, wow, I need to figure this out. You know, I, I don't feel like I deserve to be, you know, alone the rest of my life. I feel like I, I am capable of having a loving, you know, and healthy relationship, but how do I, you know, how do I learn these skills? Like, how do I change, you know, this, this um, pattern that I've been falling into. And so this one specific, very, very unhealthy relationship um, set me looking for answers. You know, I just was like, I need to put my foot down. This was, it was very, very unhealthy, very unsafe. And, um, I remember just Googling and looking up resources and I came across this, um, this seminar and it was a two day seminar. It was in person. It was right before um, COVID happened. And it was, um, it was a, a Gottman method, um, seven principles leader training. And, um, and so it seemed very interesting to me. I, I read up on it and I was like, wow, they have a, they actually have a lab here in Washington, here in Seattle, Washington. And it looks like they've been studying relationships for almost four decades and they've got this data and gosh, maybe, maybe I need to go and learn something there. Maybe there's answers there for me. And wow, was I right? <laughs> and uh, it was, it wasn't, it was a almost like a certification, like a two day seminar. Um, most of the people who were there were, professionals like they were up and coming therapists there were coaches um there were a couple of couples but not many and wow i mean i i was blown away right uh the things that i learned there in those two days were just they were just so enlightening right first of all they go through and 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 the seminar was called the, the 
the seven principles of making marriage work, right? And even though I wasn't married, I wasn't looking to get married at the time I was single, but I was just like, well, <laughs> I want to learn what it takes to, <laughs> to have, you know, a healthy relationship because I want to be eventually, I'd like to settle down. Um, and so I just learned what, what it, what that healthy relationship looks like in, in that, in that seminar and, you know, how to, how to, how to talk to your partner, what does that look like, how to communicate, um, warning signs, right? And it was just like, my mind was just completely blown. Um, and I remember going back to, you know, the person that I was with, I ended it because I knew that there were just way too many signs there that it was going down the wrong path and there was really no salvaging it. Um, I was willing to work on things. I was wanting to learn and be better, but the other person wasn't. And there was just too many, too many factors that were just very obvious. Um, and so I, I ended that and really dove deeper into learning more about the principles. Um, I became, I got an educator. Um, I started studying to, to be a relationship coach because I was just like, wow, I, I want to help women that, you know, that have been in my shoes, right. That are struggling, that don't know how to get out of this cycle. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to to go into that. And, you know, a uh, couple of months later, I was able to find, you know, the, the perfect man for me. And uh, he's kind of he's kind of been there all along. Um, and but things aligned and I was finally kind of I finally had the clarity of what I was looking for and everything just matched up. Right. Uh, everything matched up and I applied the principles and really kind of watched for, you know, characteristics and behaviors. And I had hundred percent clarity of what um, healthy looked like and what unhealthy looked like, what I needed and wanted. And it was just, you know, it was, it was, it, it, it is the first healthy relationship that I've ever had, you know, as an adult, um, we're celebrating our three year anniversary in a couple of months so um congratulations thank you so much so you know and the work right it never stops um you know there's there's a lot to unpack there with the family dynamics um one of the things to just kind of going back to the 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 dynamics was that um what our family was lacking was also just just boundaries right um there was like when you said no to my grandfather, it was like, how dare you, <laughs> right? Like, right. You don't, you don't say no to me. No does not exist in my existence, right? You're, you're going to do the thing that I tell you to do. And there was just always just like pressure, um, you know, whether it's like, it, it was weird. It was, it was a, a lot of it was, was around food. Um, so that still exists in my family very much. So when I joined my family for dinner, it was just, there's this constant question, you know, why are you not eating this? Why are you, why haven't you finished your food? And today it's, I see it for what it is, right? It's just the, the learned behaviors. Um, and I have to really kind of take a deep breath and communicate that. Right. You know, no, Do no, you, no. <laughs> right. Do you still, so you don't talk to your father anymore at all? So he has passed, um, he okay. passed of, of the, of the disease, uh, I think last year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so there was never any closure there. There was never any. No, no. And, and that's very normal, but I can't even, you know, that's, I can see where it all started. Like you don't have a role model to begin with. 
So you, yeah. you know, and that is a very tricky dynamic where I know they always say like the intergen, you know, the multi-generational living is the way to go because we have so many young people raising young people and, and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But it's hard, especially like you said, if they're not all on the same wavelength, then you start to pit one against the other. And children are very smart. You learn to probably very. manipulate if mom's, you know, it's 100%. kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing in my house. If mom said no, I went to dad. So I always went mm-hmm. to the person that I knew was going to say no because I knew that the other one would do exactly what the, the other one didn't want. So I'm like, oh, okay, exactly. dad's gonna say no on this one. So I'll I'll go to him first, and then mom's gonna say yes because dad said no. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And how sad that you have to learn that at such a young age but like you said it's mm-hmm. all it's all modeling it's all habits it's all behaviors it's all of that you said something and i'm trying to think there was something i wanted to ask you somewhere where you were talking okay so the people first of all tell them again the theory that you use for your was it agape um so gottman method um gottman Dr. okay i didn't understand yeah, you Dr. Okay. julie and john gottman they are um they're relationship scientists they have a lab here set up in seattle um they've been studying couples uh, for four decades uh, yep. longitudinal yep. studies and they've been observing them and it's just it was just fascinating because it was something that i can get behind because there was so much research behind what you know they were teaching about relationships um because i i like like i I like data, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, there's just a lot of like fluffy advice out there based on just kind of like people's opinions. Um, but this was something that I could really get behind because they're, you know, the, the proof was kind of in the pudding, right? They were observing um, couples, they were following them for many, many decades. Um, and they could, you know, what they're known for is that they can predict if a couple would divorce with 97% accuracy in the first five to 10 minutes of speaking with them or observing them. That's funny. I remember, that's why I was, I was like, I thought you said Gottman, but I'm like, it sounded like you said agape. That's was like, let me get that right. Because yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that wasn't very intriguing to me. So Mm -hmm. when I read that years ago about the 97% accuracy, because I'm like, wow, why didn't they tell people that? Why don't they give everybody a checklist? Like, here you go. Like, what would be some of the, just for the listeners out there, you said Mm -hmm. that they trained you very well on red flags. Give me an example of like five red flags. Definitely. So they, they have something that they call the, um, the four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, And those are basically the biggest predictors um, of divorce. And so it's really interesting because unbeknownst to me, right. Um, those things were all coming up in my relationship. And I was just like, gosh, this is just, (laughs) um, I'm like, not, I'm like, this really doesn't, doesn't feel right. Um, when, when they were coming up, right. I was just like, and one of the biggest ones that really kind of set me off on this path was, was content. Um, content was, was coming up constantly, um, and with, with what I was experiencing and, and it really, it felt really unsafe. Um, and contempt can be, you know, really just like, like rolling your eyes, right? Because a lot of the times, pe- people might not even know what, what that means, right? Um, it, it could mean, you know, just kind of like mocking somebody, right. uh, and not, in, not in a kind way, right? Making fun of them. 
Um, and so that was really, that was, that was killing me in the relationship that I was in. Um, I just felt like I was being shot in the heart constantly. And it was so subtle. Um, the other is criticism, right? Is basically, I just felt like nothing could be like nothing that I could do was, was right. Um, being criticized. And that was something that was, uh, something that was, um, very common in my family, the criticism, um, and then the other is defensiveness, right? Defensiveness is actually a lot of the times that's a, that's a response to criticism, right? You know, you know, why did you do this? You're so stupid. Well, I didn't, you know, like I'm not stupid and, and look at you, right? Uh, defensiveness, um, the other is stonewalling. And I did that. I, I did a lot of that in my relationships was just completely shut down, right? Mm -hmm. Any sort of a conflict. Anytime anyone raised their voice yelling, because that I, I saw that growing up too, I would just completely shut down. I would just stare at a wall <laughs> and <laughs> pretend like they're not there, right? Um, and so those are those are the four. Um, but some of the some of the other red flags would be when when someone um, when when you just don't feel safe being kind of like being yourself, like when when your point of view is constantly being like judged or criticized, whatever that is, um, that's, you know, that's definitely a red flag. Um, there's another relationship scientist out there called, his name is Alan Finkel. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he talks about, you know, there's those concepts, like when someone is dating, right? A lot of the dating apps out there, um, they match you up on kind of two different, two, two factors. Like they're either focusing on comp complementarity, right? Where, whether like how, com com how you compliment somebody um, or similarity, like how similar you are. Right. Um, but what he talks about is what's actually more important above all those things is what he says, relationship aptitude, right? Um, like, someone's ability to to be in a relationship ultimately like how like how agreeable are they um so that's something that's really interesting and that's what i kind of fell back on when i kind of went back after i i studied the gottman method i was just like okay what what are those like green green flags in someone someone that is you know not just a, not a doormat but someone that is just easy to be around. Like everything's just easy. Like you don't feel like you're banging your head against the wall. You don't feel like you're constantly butting heads. Um, someone's the, the, the opposite of that, right? They are, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of like more of like, it feels more of like a partnership with them. Um, and it feels safe. So, so that's really, that's really it. But uh, yeah, the, the, the biggest red flags are just not feeling safe emotionally or physically. Right. Um, yeah, you know, and a lot of the times you can kind of, you can kind of, a lot of times those things are so subtle and it kind of comes up and you're like, whoa, what was that? That didn't feel good. And then we as women, you know, we, we almost always feel like we have to like qualify everything, right? Like I need to know exactly what the specific thing is. Um, and if I don't know what it is, then I'm just going to let it slide, right? Something didn't feel good. But because I'm not really quite sure what it is, I'm just going to let it go. Right. And um, that goes that goes back to a lot of just healing all of this stuff in the past. I mean, you mm -hmm. talked about like the doormat or the opposite of the doormat. I mean, in the house that you grew up in, you you walked on eggshells the whole time. And yeah. literally, it's just a peas, just 
keep peace, make peace. And exactly. you can get through, I mean, you can absolutely get through 30 years of that, but you'll mm-hmm. never be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's if you're just, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here you go. And it's, it's good that you gave all that, like those red flags, because it's very cut and dry when you get in. And mm-hmm. it's very hard for people that are so accustomed to, to following the pattern and they're attracted to these people. And then yet they're mm-hmm. also so afraid of being abandoned that it doesn't matter if they're attracted to people, they're going to stay with them anyway. So it's kind of like if you put, I always t- say to try to put science behind it or try to put, yeah. like you said, actual data behind it, because then it's not emotional. You know, if he does this, I'm just leaving. I'm out. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of the relationship, I think that's where people are like, oh, it'll change once we're together more. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's not going to. So if you see these red flags right off the bat, that's Mm -hmm. the time to know, no, this is, I'm not going to try to fix him. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to make him different because it's not going to happen, but this is what I need. So yeah, those boundaries are huge and just the you know the way people talk to you if you have this condescending tone or you're always making someone feel like they're little it's it's hurtful and it's you shouldn't have to live your whole life like that you know exactly and and because we're kind of used to seeing that growing up like we think that like again it's just that having that awareness right um it, it's actually not acceptable behavior in relationships it, it just in healthy relationships right like i I would not, I have never criticized my partner. I have never, you know, like, like stonewalling, like it, it just, it's not effective communication. And, and, and the thing is, is it's a dance, right? Um, because the reason why I would stonewall before was because I was feeling like I was being attacked um, right. during conflict. And so that's why it's so important to really look for that relationship aptitude from the beginning. Like, how does it feel? Right. Like, because from the beginning, you can, you, you can generally kind of have a sense for what the person's like and what it's like to be around them. Um, and, uh, but we, we get stuck in this like qualifying stage, like, well, I wasn't really sure what it was. Right. Something didn't, something felt off, but because I don't know what it is, I'm just going to keep, seeing like keep trying to figure it out maybe it'll go away it doesn't work like that (laughs) right (laughs) and I think it's also important especially I don't know if you talk to your people about this I'm sure you do Mm -hmm. in some way shape or form but that they know what they're willing to accept or what their values are or their core values before going in because you can't you know once they've been broken and those boundaries have been violated you might not even know their boundaries when you get in and then all of a sudden you slap the guy in the side of the head with the reality of I don't want you talking Mm -hmm. to me this way well you've been talking to me this way 10 years (laughs) I've been doing it for 10 years why all of a sudden and it's like no you need to know going in and that's Mm -hmm. why I say sometimes you know when you when you realize that you're in this cycle of these kind Mm -hmm. of relationships take some time figure out who you are and heal a little more before you get into another one 100% right (laughs) because if someone's breaking boundaries that they don't even know exist right we like we have to take ownership you know we have to take responsibility right because I you know doing that kind of reflection taking a step back like like what was my part in that right someone being abusive to us that's unacceptable but how did I get here right right and not not really necessarily being a victim but just what is what part of this do I own 
And how can I ensure that that doesn't happen to me again? Because uh, it's easy to fall into, into like, you know, the victim, right? Um, but a lot of the times we just, it, doing that self-reflection and work on the self is just really critical. And I, and I think it's good. That's why I like to have different perspectives come on the show too, because people don't, sometimes people don't know. Like you said, if that's exactly. all you ever saw, that's all you were ever modeled, you think it's okay. And you, you just like, oh, okay. So, and then when you finally start coming around, you're like, wow, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong or because I grew up like this, that I'm doing it wrong. And so, yeah, that self-reflection and taking your part in it is, is vital is <laughs> absolutely. So talk about, so now you do dating and relationship coaching out in Seattle. Mm -hmm. You do it virtually as well. I'm assuming. I do it virtually. Yes. Okay. Everything is virtual. So tell people kind of, I know, um, just kind of talk about what, what you work through. Like, do you take starting relationships or do most people that come to you have failing relationships or is it more just a foundation trying to give them a foundation? Definitely. So my focus is really on the doing the, the, the groundwork before, you know, getting out there. Right. Um, I primarily focus working with women that, again, they've had these repeated cycles. Right. And um, something that I used to do also is like, oh, I'm just going to take like two years off or a year off to just recover. Right. But that time that I'm taking off, I'm not really doing much to work on myself. Right. So when I put myself back out there, I'm still getting the same results. So, um, so I work with women and just make sure that, um, you know, they do that kind of like that preparation work, right. That they know who, who they are, right. They, you know, they know what their core values are and what they stand for. They know exactly what they want their relationship to look like. Um, and they have an understanding of like, really like what's been going on, like why, why, why was the cycle repeating? And I'll give you an example. I, I worked with one client. Of course, she will remain unnamed, but you know, that was, that was her thing, right? She just couldn't understand why, you know, these, these men were coming in and out of her life. They would just basically just barge into the, to her life and just say, we're in a relationship now. And, um, you know, it was, and they were, none of them were just really good matches for her. And she, and she just, she couldn't understand why it was happening to her. And when we were doing, you know, our work together, what something that I do with all my clients at the beginning is we do like a relationship audit. Um, and we go through just past relationships and, um, you know, what, what came up in those and if there's any similarities in, you know, characteristics or traits um, to earlier. And so it was, you know, a really tough, she had a, a pretty, um, pretty hard um, kind of upbringing. Um, long story short, she was, um, you know, molested by her father. And, you know, and when we were working through this, I, I, what was happening was, again, these men were just kind of like barging into her life, just kind of coming in, dictating what was going to happen. And, um, and I said, you know, it, they're violating your boundaries, right? And that's something that was happening to you when you were a child, right? Your boundaries were violated. And so now these men are doing the same thing, right? Um, and so, and and that's why that's happening, right? It's because you were taught that, you know, your your needs don't matter <laughs> and that person's gonna do what they're gonna do. And so today this is what's showing up. So now we just need to really work on 
having that, finding that voice, right? And and really kind of, again, just doing that kind of evaluation of like, does this person check my boxes? We went through like what mattered to her and what her core values were. And none of those men were, they had, they, they didn't check any of the boxes or what right. she was looking for, right? So she had that checklist finally. And then she learned how to assert herself, right? Um, and communicate to them in a way that, again, let them know like, this is my boundaries, this is where they are. Um, and literally within within 90 days, you know, she she kept sending me updates of how she was doing. And she had to, she said, you know, I finally spoke up. I said, no, you know, I told them never, don't call me again. And then now I'm, you know, I'm I'm in a relationship with this man that feels completely different, like a hundred, like a complete 180, right? It feels safe with him. And that's what I'm talking about. And it was, it was relatively quick. You know, we only met for three sessions. Wow. Um, nice. But she had no idea that this is, this is what, you know, was contributing to her, her issues today was that past experience with her dad. Well, and it's nice too, because sometimes it's just awareness. If you don't know, like yeah. you don't know. And so many people, I mean, you and I are in the, in the field of what we do and the personal development and the going back mm-hmm. and figuring out why and why and why and going all the way back. But some people aren't. So they think it's just because it's the here and now, and it's not, it's your, it's what you're either allowing or doing or reacting or whatever from mm-hmm. years ago. And yeah, the more and just, people, the more people you can spread that message to the better. Exactly. I just wanted to make one, you know, kind of like clarification or distinction. Like there's clear differences between obviously coaching and therapy. So right. obviously in, th- in therapy, you get to do, you know, a lot of that deeper healing work. Um, and it's really all about like healing the past. Um, but with coaching, it's like what's coming up today. Right. Um, and so sometimes we do touch on the past. Um, and so it's up to that person to, yes, of course, you know, here's now we have awareness of what happened. Right. So it's like, is it something that I need to go back and work through in therapy? Um, right. Do I need to go through some healing of what came up in the past? Right. Um, or is it just that I need awareness? Right. So right. just very different. And there's a lot, I mean, now in this day and age, there's so much stuff that you can go through. I always talk about, I mean, I, one girl that I work with, she goes to therapy as well. And I'm like, that's great. But then mm-hmm. there's other, you know, it's kind of like a nice little mix and, you know, inner child work and shadow work and EFT totally. tapping and hypnosis, oh, all yes. that can be done with a coach. It doesn't have, you know, necessarily if you find coaches that are trained in all of that stuff. So it is exactly. a nice kind of combination of the two because, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to know you can do a little EFT tapping session with someone and they can literally undo something that was done 40 years ago. And, you know, and it's amazing the modalities that are out there that weren't out there when I started. It was either yeah. therapy or absolutely nothing, pretty much 20, right. 35 years ago or 30 years ago. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a nice combination of the two. And as a coach, you're you're literally there it's just different, different ways of going about things. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. Um so Tell us the best way. I know I don't want to keep you here all day. I know it's what, six o'clock in the morning for you, (laughs) which is crazy to begin with. But Mm -hmm. um, tell us if people want to reach out to you, talk to you, whatever, ask you questions. What is the best place for them to reach you? This is definitely. Yep. So I have um, 
I am on Instagram and it's dating by Yulia and I, they can also like learn more about me on my website, datingbyyulia.com. Um, Yulia spelled Y-U-L-I-A. And um, yeah, I, um, I wanted to just share something because, um, you know, for me, as I, as I kind of go back and reflect on, you know, my journey with all this, especially with relationships, right? Um, if I could do it all over again, I think that I would ask for help um, sooner, right? Um, it's so important to really, like, because here's the thing, like, we can't fix the problem with the same skill set and mindset that we created it, right? So for anyone out there that's struggling, especially when patterns are coming up repeatedly, like, you just have to call a timeout, <laughs> right? Um, if Especially if it's the kind of like the same cycle, you know, it's like different person, but it's like the same, it's kind of like the same situation because asking for help is not a weakness. That's something I, that I've, I've learned that was kind of ingrained in me is like, it's perceived as a weakness and um, never show that you don't know the answer to something, but it's actually a strength, right? Because um, that's how we're able to, to grow. But if we are suffering in silence and if we are not doing anything different, um, to get a different result, then we just stay in that suffering for absolutely longer than we than we have to. Um, and so really the 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 best advice is just like investing into getting the right type of like training or support or mentorship or coaching is is really vital because um, like I said, you know, especially if there's patterns repeating, like we we cannot solve. <laughs> you know, our, our problems with the same mindset and skill set that we had when we created them. So that would be just my, that would be my advice to my 20 year old self, I'd say. <laughs> and it's funny because before I wrap up every show, I always ask, give me some words of wisdom. Give me one thing to leave them with. And I think you did just that. And it is mm -hmm. so, I mean, I totally agree. And that's why I like to get to people when they're younger. You know, you know, if you're growing up and you don't have a father figure, your mother is yeah. emotionally not there or anything that's going through that. And you all of a sudden see at 16 years old, okay, I'm not growing up like all these other kids. It's mm -hmm. never too early to start. It's never too early to start figuring out what normal is and asking for help. And it doesn't have to be from your family. I mean, absolutely go, you know, anywhere. There's so many support groups now for absolutely anything that's going on. It's, it's right. not hard to find support. You just have to know that you're worth it and be willing, you know, 100%. you know, and that's, that's always been my leaving message to people is you are a hundred percent worth it. Like if you're not a hundred percent happy in your life, the way it is right now, it can yeah. get better. Yeah. You just, you know, you just have to be willing to, to make a change. And so with what you were saying, it's never too early, but my, my biggest takeaway is like, it's never too late. Amen. You know, I learned I learned how to have relationships when I was 30 years old, right? <laughs> so it is absolutely never too late to change the trajectory um, of, of our life, especially, you know, because I felt I felt so defeated and deflated when I realized that, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I my <laughs> I, I guess my my relationship skill set is that of like a 12 year old, right? Because I stopped kind of growing when I was when I started drinking heavily and um, moreover, like I never learned these skills. Right. And instead of like blaming or 
you know, the self-pity or, you know, this kind of like sense of like impending doom, like I'm, I'm doomed forever. I'm just going to be, you know, unhappy and single for the rest of my life. I'm just going to die alone. Like, no, you, you, you can learn these skills and um, completely turn things around for yourself. Like I've done it. Many other people have done it. You just have to, you know, you just have to reach out for help. And um, that's a superpower. <laughs> yeah, it is. And absolutely. And it's, and I love that you said it's never too late on one of my presentations I give, I have a 74 year old lady skydiving. And it reminds me of someone I knew a very dear oh. friend who was in Al-Anon with me. And she literally, I mean, I don't even know what happened, but it was like, all of a sudden it was like, well, thank you so much. I'm 74 and I'm finally taking back control of my life. And I'm like, God only knows what's going to happen now, but she's mm -hmm. happy now, like emotionally just there and happy. And that's amazing. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming, Yulia. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Tani. What a what a beautiful conversation. I, oh, yeah, I really absolutely. Yes, it was so fun. And for those of you, all the show notes and the links, everything will be in there so that you can reach out to Yulia. And until then, another message of hope and healing and knowing that it's never, never, never too early to start healing or too late to start healing. So you have a blessed day and we'll mm -hmm. see you back.